Punching Holes in the Darkness is a podcast by the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. It's an opportunity for pastors and leaders in Michigan churches to have their voices heard and to share how to best reach our mission field from Detroit to the Upper Peninsula. Friends, we want to welcome today uh, One Mission TV as our sponsor here at uh, Punching Holes in the Darkness podcast. They have been an invaluable partner with us since I've come here to uh, the Baptist State uh, Convention of Michigan. What they effectively have done is they took all of our media resources and we put them together in this one neat package that One Mission TV takes care of. They're just doing an admirable job for us and have really taken us to a different level in uh, our media work. Here's some things they've done for us. They've done web design, they can do logo design, designs for print materials, and of course, any kind of video presence and, and recording you'd like to do. And uh, they've really helped us enhance our online presence as they can for you. Great guys, great partners. You will be glad you have done this. They're really a one-call media company, and I think you'll be blessed by using One Mission TV. And friends, if you want to contact One Mission TV, you can do so at info at onemission.tv. That's info at onemission.tv. Now here's our guest host, Mike Durbin, the BSCM's State Director of Evangelism. I am delighted to be with Rick Bristol. Rick is the pastor, church planter, replanter of True North Community Church in Petoskey, Michigan. Rick has uh, served our nation in the military. In fact, I was looking over some information about him. He has served in the U.S. Coast Guard, the United States Navy, the Army National Guard, and the United States Marine Corps. He has especially served as a military chaplain. And I want to I thank you, first of all for your service to our nation, and especially for your service to those who serve us in the armed forces of the United States of America. We're so thankful for what you do and we appreciate your service there. Well, thanks. Thanks, Mike. Yeah. Hey, tell us a little bit about your family. Well, my wife, uh, she's from uh, Northern Michigan. She's from Boyne City. So my wife's Katie. She's, uh, she works up here. She works as a parapro right now in one of the local school systems. And then we also have four kids. We have a 12-year-old son, Ricky, a 10-year-old son, Toby, uh, then two daughters, uh, 8-year-old Juliet, and 6-year-old Victoria. Awesome. Awesome. Well, hey, tell us a little bit about how you came to Michigan, and particularly to the church that you're serving now. Well, so... It started, it actually started while I was a Navy chaplain uh, working with the military. Uh, I would be able to do things like religious needs assessments where we do uh, to kind of do little surveys of what what the uh, religious breakdown of my command was. And I'd be looking at at that sort of thing and I'd, I'd be looking and it, it was something like uh, 50 to 50 to 60 percent of my Marines claimed uh, some form of Protestant Christianity, uh, then probably about uh, 25 to 30 claimed uh, uh, to be Roman Catholic. And then there's, you know, there was a smaller that were undecided. And uh, so that's where I was at on one side uh, while I was working as a chaplain. I mean, it was, and it was great ministry and I was doing that. The, the same time, 
we'd be talking to my wife or my wife's family and friends up here in northern Michigan. And we noticed that there was really uh, – we'd get off the phone with them and there would be, I don't know, it, it maybe a uh, – there might be a cascade of suicides up in the area or there would be there would be other depression and other issues coming up here and it's a beautiful place and we get off the phone and we we keep saying man they they really i really they need jesus up there and start, start doing that and as i started doing some of my my research thinking well wait a second when you start thinking that god should send somebody somewhere that's that's how god starts to tell you that you're the someone <laughs> so, uh, so then I started doing the religious needs kind of surveys up here to see what was going on here, and I saw it totally flipped. Uh, the the assessments up in northern Michigan, uh, two thousand something like fifty percent had no religious affiliation up here at all, and then um, in two thousand ten it was seventy five. The trend lines seventy five percent had no religious affiliation. Uh, as a matter of fact, as we started digging deeper, we recognized that especially up here. Uh, the, 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 my wife's generation and younger, uh, they really have no connection at all. Uh, so what had happened is essentially the baby boomers didn't pass their faith to their, their, their kids. So we had, uh, this used to be primarily mainline Protestants were up here and Catholics and the mainline Protestants and Catholics really didn't, didn't, didn't push over. Uh, so we, what I saw was when I was looking in the military, I saw, a, an area that, you know, had, was pretty reached. And I was surprised to see that my wife's hometown was kind of unreached. So we started uh, exploring the idea of planting up here and uh, looking up here to see where where there was, it, where we were going to go. And then finally, we just stepped out in faith and I, I set up a date and we said, okay, we're going to go to Northern Michigan. About the same time, um, I'd been in contact with the church planning coordinator up here, Darren Greer. And actually he had, he had had me on the, on the line for a few years at that point. Uh, but we were looking as we were looking up in Northern Michigan to see where God was sending us. At the same time, there was a church up here, Agape Baptist church in Petoskey that had gotten down to uh, six people. Uh, they lost their pastor and they were considering whether or not to close the doors. Uh, so about the same time that I was leaving the military, there was this church that was closing and, uh, Darren's like, you guys need to meet. And so, so I took leave and, uh, flew from Alaska at that time. I was stationed in Alaska with the Coast Guard and, uh, I met with them and, and we, we said, okay, this is, they said, well, let's replant. And, and we said, well, it's kind of restarting it means everything that we, that you have been doing right now, it's been great. You've carried the ball this far, but it's kind of, we're kind of like a perennial plant. You kind of have to totally change and, and it's going to in some ways feel like dying because a lot of things that you have enjoyed about yourself is going to have to turn off for, for, for a season as we turn back on and, and try to try to see what the next, uh, the next phase of ministry up here in Northern Michigan is. Uh, they trusted that 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 idea, and they they were very trusting and very very loving, and and then we we started to replant as I, I came out. So that was that was it, and that was uh, I met them. Actually, I met them about four years ago. I met them four years ago. It took me almost a year to get out of the military from that point, and then uh, so we 
I've been on the ground for a little over three years now. Wow. So you talked about having to replant this church and, you know, you had to give them, help them get a new start, new direction. How have they received that? Well, you know what? It's, it's a, it's a hard thing. And, you know, to be, uh, to be totally honest, it's, it's, it's okay when the new, when the new guy that comes in, you know, changes something that you don't really care one way or another for, but eventually it's going to be something that you do care about. And then the question is, okay, well, what, what do I do with my, if my preference was always to sit facing this direction and now we're sitting facing this direction, is that, you know, do I trust that there's a reason for it? And so building the trust was, was kind of hard, but they were at a point where I think they, they had, they were really staring at closing the church. So they were more willing, I think, to, to move along than, than some, some folks have been in the past. Sure. So when you think about that, you know, they, they'd gotten to a point, you didn't use this word, but it was either make some changes or close the, close the church. Yeah. And you helped them process through that and uh, look at what needed to, to be done to help the church have a future. When do you think the church really should have started this process? I mean, you, you mentioned six people. That's pretty low. When should a church really start to consider either revitalization or replanting? I think a church needs to be considering uh, almost a replant every time that a, a pastor moves. I mean, I, I almost think that they need to have the willingness to consider that every system may be changing. And I think that 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 might remove some of the stigma because what happens is is folks just figure, well, we'll just keep going. And if we just endure this, if we just endure this phase or this this thing, then it'll get better. And um, I I don't know if that really, really works. I do. I do kind of like the perennial flower picture that there's a there is a part of this, the life cycle of that flower that does involve some significant radical change. And I think it happens a little more often than than we want to believe, because it's almost like by the time the, the church wants to consider replanting, it's when they're, you know, thirty five thousand dollars in debt to the previous pastor that they weren't able to pay for two years and uh, the buildings falling down. And they're like, well, essentially, there's a there's a there's a gun to their head. You know, do we you know, do we abandon this building or and this hilltop, or do we, you know, replant? And I, I think that maybe we should be considering replanting more often. And we should see it maybe not as a failure, because I think that's the other thing. I think there's a, a failure stigma to replanting, that that the, the the people that are there think that if 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 their church is needing to go into a replant, then somehow they failed God. And had they not failed God, then then they wouldn't be in this dire state. But if it was more cyclical again it's not the it's not the flowers <laughs> fault that it just is winter it just has to go through a cycle of winter and then so that spring can come sure you know and it can drop season and that's you know if we could see that more as as part of the or the natural organic life of a church um i think that would be good i mean when you look i've had other friends and this is I had this conversation yesterday, so it's kind of fresh in my head. I've had other friends uh, that have 
followed pastors that have even been at the pulpit for decades. So they had been at a pulpit for decades. And then whoever comes next, you know, that church is vibrant and it's as well. And whoever comes next to that pulpit oftentimes is clobbered. Uh, there's they're clobbered. They have difficult times. And then usually that pastor isn't the one that lasts another couple decades. That what happens is that person comes in, they walk in, people leave. Usually whoever was on the pastor search committee leaves a couple weeks, you know, a couple weeks, a couple months after they select the new pastor. And then there's turmoil and turmoil, turmoil. And really what is happening is kind of a, a really difficult replanting thing happening even in that church that everybody would have said was healthy prior to the pastor leaving. And I, I think if we just saw that more as, Hey, you know what, this is just the natural thing. Replanting is another form of that natural thing. I think we'd be less, less likely to ride, you know, kind of ride the turmoil all the way into the most dire uh, situation. Sure. Now the analogy that you've been using is of a perennial, a perennial flower comes back year after year, the life is still in it, but it yes. goes through a period of time where, uh, for all practical purposes, it looks dormant. Yes. It looks like nothing is is happening, but given the right conditions, given the the right amount of sunlight, given the right amount of rain, given the right amount of of warmth, that perennial will come back to life. And you're saying, if I'm hearing you correctly what you're saying is hey there, there are seasons in a church where a church may have uh, for all practical purposes regressed a little it's mm -hmm. pulled inward well, let, let me ask you what are the kinds of things we need to bring back into the body uh so that it can experience that that growth and that vitality and that richness of faith Ooh, <laughs> what are the things well one of them is is to get to get on the to get back to the the basics. I, I think about spring training with, cause it's almost spring, uh, <laughs> spring training with, I'm, I'm being hopeful in Northern Michigan. It's, <laughs> it's, the calendar changed. So it's gotta be almost spring, right? That's right. A, right. I, I have a lot of faith in the groundhog here coming. <laughs> but no, um, what, what, what we have is, is we have kind of with, with baseball players, when they go to spring training, they go through the basics and kind of come back to, Hey, this is, this is what we do church. This is why we do church. One of the, one of the challenges is that we, we get off the great commission and we start getting program centric or we start getting whatever we get into whatever we like about our church or, or those elements. And we, we like our preferences so much, we kind of lose sight of our mission. And it's not a, I, I, I know that almost sounds like I'm saying it negative. It's natural. We're, we're enjoying the family that we have you know, as the, that is the church as we're wo woven together. The, the risk is that we it naturally pull, pulls us inward. So one of the reasons why you just have to just put the Great Commission out there and just remind everybody that we need to be outward facing is because otherwise we'll just become, uh, we'll, we'll, we'll just become a, a group that's all very similar. We grow together, uh, and we're, which is great. I love growing together, except for the fact that our mission is to go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them, and kind of 
outward focused. So there's there's this this need to kind of okay, everybody, we got to push out. And I think that our preferences, whatever they are, because we we build a history with our with with our church, we build a history with our family, we build all this other thing. But we have to be able to hold on to it loosely enough to where as new people come in, that there's space for them. And and, and I think that's a big part of it. I know I was uh, talking with with my church yesterday we're in romans and we were talking about uh, romans chapter 14 we're talking kind of that relationship between the weaker and stronger brother and i'm like hey listen one of the things that a church should always have is there should be there should be spiritual diversity in the church there should be a maturity diversity because there's there's no such thing as a church where everybody is a mature believer because once you get to that point you're not fulfilling the Great Commission because if you're fulfilling the Great Commission, new people should be coming in. And by definition, as they step in, they, they lack maturity at that point. So there should always be this, this kind of somebody coming in and going, well, who's this God that we keep hearing about? You know, that from that to the person who's, who's you know, the, 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 the senior dedicated uh, warrior for Christ that's, you know, have decades under their belt, that whole that whole spectrum should always be in a church. You should be able to, if I should be able to take a core sample, if you will, of a, of a healthy church and see all of that. Um, If I was going to pull out uh, observations for churches that, that tend toward needing uh, more desperately to replant, uh, what happens is that when you kind of core in there, you're going to notice that you're going to have some really steady, you know, Steady people. There's going to be some really steady and dedicated people that have remained behind at the church. So in a sense, you've got a very mature congregation spiritually, except you don't have anybody else. So what's happened is that those steady people have just kind of grown in together. And then as the resources deplenish, as, as things start turning off, they hold together more tightly because they're, you know, they're terrified that they're going they're going in the wrong direction. Yeah. So what you're describing to me is a a phrase that I often use that a church needs to be both inwardly strong. Yes. And at the same time, outwardly focused. Yes. What happens over time. And it's, it's a natural Mm -hmm. uh, development is that we start to uh, focus inward to the church. That's where our friends are. Often that's where our family is often that, uh, I mean, that's where we're getting our spiritual strength and it takes an incredible amount of energy to do the things that create disciples of Jesus. And oftentimes we focus those things on what happens inside the church and we forget to be connected to the community around us and sharing the gospel with the people that God brings into our lives right where we are. Yes. And, and our, our successes or our failures can, can color what, so we get, we get something where we have a good experience or a good emotional experience. And then we say, this is it. This is what ministry needs to look like. So as long as we do this program every year, we're serving God well, and then we enjoy it. And then it becomes kind of a traditional festival or ceremony or whatever the thing is, but it may not even be connected to what's going on organically in the community around. And we can, we can lose sight of that. Or there's other things sometimes, and this was, okay, so two, two small stories with my church, just to kind of illustrate uh, some of the thinking that ha- happened in the background. Uh, first one is I got there, we had a baptistry, and I said, okay, let's fill the baptistry Sunday. Uh, let's have water in the baptistry. And they said, well, why, you know, who's going to get baptized? And I was like, well, part of the reason we're filling the baptistry, 
we're filling the baptistry is because what if we considered that any moment somebody could be baptized? So what they did is they looked around and they said, well, everybody in this room has been baptized. So why are we filling the, the baptistry? I was like, well, because we should be having people come in that haven't been baptized before that there might be a, you know, it's, it's just shifting it. So there's, there was that kind of expectation of maybe we should be thinking outside. And then there was some other things that were, they were good things, but they were just not systems that we could, that we could fulfill. Uh, so every month they would come together and they'd all celebrate their birthdays together. And they'd, somebody would stand up and then, and they were, they had kind of a, a, a monthly birthday party for the, the people that were, they were doing it. And they kind of recognized that person every time through. And it, it was a nice thing and they really enjoyed doing it. And between, between the you know six six eight ten people uh, at that point you know as you start counting those those people you're like a birthday every month and they they enjoyed that part of thing and I said well we're looking at an area where there's a whole lot of lost people here this is this is a nice thing in a kind of this small group but if we had 300 people at the church could we do this and they're like no we can't do that I was like well so sometimes there's even nice things that we're doing that that are good in a small group. And because we really enjoy them in a small group and we're, we're kind of forcing them on the whole church, it makes it so there's not space for somebody to sit in, uh, sit in that space. So we had to even look at some of the things that were nice to do and fun to do and weren't, you know, weren't spiritually bad at all, but just kind of the idea that this system doesn't allow for uh, more seats at the table. Friends, I want to introduce to you one of our new partners. It is GuideServe. They are our financial partner who helps us take care of all of our nickels and noses, so to speak. Uh, GuideServe is an outsourced accounting partner for our Baptist State Convention of Michigan. Uh, GuideServe provides professional accounting solutions to churches and ministries all across the country. And they offer, they truly offer some comprehensive accounting and payroll solutions to organizations ranging from a just beginning church plant to large churches and expansive ministries. And listen, if you'd like to know more about them, you can visit their website at guideserve.com or send them an email at info at guideserve.com. And by the way, if you mention BSCM, uh, when you do, it'll be a benefit to us as well. So. Welcome our new partner, Geyser. What have been some of the highlights over the last, uh, what, you've been there almost three years, you said? Well, I've been on the ground more, than, so it's kind of funny. So I moved my family here about a year plus before I came to Northern Michigan. So it depends how you count. Okay. There was a, there was a point where for almost a year, uh, I was... I was in Alaska. I was zooming in. It's funny, 20, 21st century, or sorry, sorry, uh, 2020 and 2021. Uh, now everybody does ministry uh, digitally. But I was FaceTiming in for a prayer group once a week. Uh, and then every every few uh, every few weeks, I would fly in from Alaska. And I would come down here and I would do a couple services and then fly back fly back up to Alaska. Wow. So they really got to know you before you actually before, moved. Before I came in. And, you know, and that was part of, that was a little bit of a benefit because of course um, I was able to do that with the support of, you know, uncle, you know, my uncle, uncle Sam, uh, he was, 
he was still he was still feeding my family during that that transitional period. And then I got my my feet on the ground. Actually, got feet on the ground October 2017. So we're just over over three years. Excellent. So it's uh, yeah, it's it's been it's been a ride. Uh, some of the highlights uh, there's <laughs> there's a lot of a lot of highlights when when you start seeing people get it. Oh, I see. This is why we do this. This is why we you know, and we we start seeing that sort of stuff. And then you start seeing new faces in finally, and you, you start seeing new families come in. You start seeing uh, new new things happen, and people are getting excited. Uh, we added some some uh, new uh, programs focused on kind of bringing up the godly men and women, uh, kind of bringing in the next generation of godly men and women. So these are scouting-based programs. And then suddenly we had, you know, we kind of caught a need in the community and then everything started to pull in and then people are just going, oh, I see what you're saying. We see all, we see these new spaces and new families and new this. And it's there's a life in, in the church. And that's, uh, that's kind of a, that's, you know, it's hard to, hard to pick out one story. Probably, you know what? I'll tell you what, here's the story. The story was the first time. Uh, so thanks to the, thanks to a grant from the Southern Baptist convention, we were able to purchase sound equipment and, and uh, instruments and all that sort of stuff. And it, and it came up there. And the first week that we had microphones and the first week that we had this, we also had some uh, couple new families at the same time. And we were able to, or, or recovered a couple, we recovered a couple families. And as we, we put the microphones on stage and said, Hey, anybody want to sing up here? You know, I was hoping I would get worship leaders and everything. We had six kids walk up, six young, small kids walk up and sing on the microphones. And when you move from a church that was just a group of six people trying to figure out whether or not they're going to close the doors to six little kids on microphones singing about how much they love Jesus. And then those six people that risked everything in, in the replant are able to watch the next generation actually worshiping God in front of them. I think that that was a, that was a good encouraging moment early on. Yeah, that's incredible. So the six folks that were there in the beginning, man, they, they, they stuck with it. They did, but I lost two of them with co with COVID. Uh, they, they made different choices and they stopped coming and they went elsewhere. So, but the other four we've, we've kept and moved forward. Yeah. The so, reality is in a replant there, there is some pain, mm -hmm. the, the pain of change, the pain of loss, uh, the pain of letting go of things that, you know, were really meaningful to us. Yeah. But they don't fit anymore. There's a lot of the times that the person that leaves is the person that you relied on the most or that you love the most or that it was most important to you. And that's part of the walk for in, in any church, you know, but that's, but it's, it's very real because when you're, especially when you're replanting or, or planting, it's, there's so few of everything that you're just kind of like, you're relying a lot on people. So you just have to be prepared to uh, need Jesus even more and lean more on him. And uh, you're also doing a lot of the same, same things. You know, they're trusting you with, with their legacy and you're coming in and you're doing things and in changing things, uh, it's suggesting you didn't value what they did. So it's hurting them too. So it's, I, it's very, the, the word pastor, you know, that, that, 
that kind of that shepherding and loving element of it just really needs to be driving a lot of your your thinking um, as as well as leading because you have to lead them out of you know you can't just comfortably die together you've got to yeah you've got to lead them out but it's yeah it's a it's it's work love love is love is the driving force it has to be you know there are people who are going to be listening to this podcast who are in churches that that really need to do something they're looking for a way forward they're they're they, they've been doing all the things that they've been doing uh things that worked in the past just don't seem to be working anymore what would you say to a church that's that's looking at her situation and realize that something needs to be done why would you encourage them to consider replanting well the thing i i like about the idea of replanting is it's really putting god back totally in the lordship of of the life of the church in the sense of you're surrendering with replants you're laying everything out there every preference you have every thought you have every history you're laying it on the altar and saying okay god whatever whatever works from this take forward and i think that that's a i think that's a uh probably the the better thing for churches to consider early on um and and it's not a it's not a bad thing. It's, it's not, it's not something that says, Hey, I, I failed. And because we failed, we're at this point. It's just that point where, Hey, we're, we're, we're just, it's recognizing we're at that season where while we're all the effort and everything else that we're doing, all the systems that we've been doing don't seem to be uh, producing the same kind of fruit. And somehow we're, we're, the leaves are falling off the tree and it's time. We don't know what to do. It might just be going, hey, get you know what, guys? It's 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 winter. It's time to kind of have the seed pods put in and say, okay, God, what would you what would you have us do? And just lay everything up on uh, at the at the feet of Christ. And then what a, with a replant? Essentially, what they're doing is you know, <laughs> while they while the idea of a replant is to start a new church in that in that spot, guess what? A lot of things the new churches will do will will actually be a lot of things the old churches did also. You know, it's it's not like we'd stopped talking about the Bible before we were a replant or after we were a replant. It's still the Bible. It's still, Absolutely. you know, there's a lot of things that, that the replant then just picks up and, and goes forward. But I think for that church that's trying to figure out what new program or what program are we not doing right, or if only we do that, I think at that point we're, we're we've, we're, we're thinking that the solution is if only, only I'd work harder, uh, we would be in a different season. And I don't think that's the case. I think when I, again, looking out at the snow outside, no matter how hard any of those plants outside work, the snow's going to be on the ground. So yeah. they have to just be doing what's the right thing for the season that they're in. And if they, you know, if they drop seeds when they ought not drop seeds, or if they, you know, they, they should grow. I had a, I had a master gardener, I'm going to switch. I know I was talking perennials. I had a master gardener talking about trees and saying, you know, during the wintertime, that's when roots are, are being built. So they need to get that cold time to know, hey, it's time to grow roots. And then after that warms up, then they go, okay, I got to grow up on top. And I think that I was like, oh, there's there's something to that thinking too, that kind of recognizing that that there's a healthiness to being able to lay down every program you have on the table and say, you know what, God, whatever you would like, like us to do from here on, 
will will do that and kind of restarting everything. I think that's a I think that's a good and healthy thing. Sure. That's awesome. You know, I was thinking as you were sharing that, that God not only wants us to grow deeper, he wants us to grow larger. He wants us to expand his kingdom by sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ. And uh, I thank you for what you're doing there in Petoskey. I know it hasn't always been easy. There have been some challenges, but uh, I've had the opportunity to visit with you and I've seen some real excitement there as well. Is there anything on your heart that you really want to share before we sign off. I will tell you that there's a there's a very realness that it would be easier to have abandoned the building and abandoned the hilltop and just let it die and start a new church plant, you know, just in its own little spot. It would have been easier, but I it's hard for me to see how the abandoned hilltop brings God glory. Uh, so it's harder to come in and and do the replant. So because of that, because of that, I, th- I think that that's what we're supposed to do, by the way. I think that that's more what we're supposed to do. But for, for those replanters to actually be successful, they need support from other folks. That means prayerful support. They need people coming in and saying, you know, you're doing good. We're, we're praying for you. Uh, they sometimes need financial support. That's true also. Uh, but it's just kind of that. I, I think that that's, that's an important thing. So. Uh, remember to pray for your your neighbor bro- brothers and sisters in Christ and the churches around you look around there there may be a church that's needing to replant and uh, you know record encouraging them I think will help them uh, survive through this cycle so that again we, we're not seeing empty and abandoned churches church buildings everywhere uh, but what we're seeing is we're seeing hilltops uh, taken and held for Christ and that's my that's my thought That's awesome. Well, hey, thank you again for what you're doing. Thank you for taking time out of your busy schedule to uh, share with us some of the things that God is doing and also the, the encouraging word that, hey, there is hope for churches that are struggling uh, through replanting. Thank you for your service. Thanks, Mike. Take care and God bless. This has been Punching Holes in the Darkness, a podcast from the Baptist State Convention of Michigan. If you have liked this episode, please rate us and leave a review. That will help others to find us and enjoy these conversations too. And if you subscribe, you will be notified when new episodes are available. Join us next time as we help Michigan churches punch holes in the darkness. Mm -hmm.